This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 24 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, The Rise of Aiken. Thank you to the Barnworks for their continued support of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. For all of your equine marketing and website needs, visit the Barnworks at thebarnworks.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hail, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to episode 23 of the Stable Scoop radio show on the Horse Radio Network. It's so good to be back, Helena. Sorry about last week. I know, we missed you, you little sicky. <laughs> I know, I, I just couldn't talk. I couldn't talk at all. I don't know if you listened to the 2010 show. I managed to get it out on Saturday morning, but it doesn't sound good. It was a little painful. Yeah, it was a little but, painful. That's all right. You, you're, you're obviously feeling better now. You took some, some medicine, I Yeah, I I'm feeling better, a lot of antibiotics. And uh, I'll tell you what, strep throat is not much fun, especially when you're a radio host. No, what did you, you, you gave a good analogy. It was like swallowing. Oh, it's like swallowing razor blades. Yeah. It really is, like swallowing razor blades and for days. Oh, God. It's just not a whole lot of fun. I've never had strep before, and I don't really want to have it again. I'm not going to get in line in that. I'm not going to get that in that line again. I know. It, it makes you become an obsessive-compulsive hand washer. I guess, but I, I never leave the house, so I don't know how that happens. <laughs> I get <laughs> sick. Jennifer's out and about all day at work and everything. I never leave the house because we work at home, and I'm the one that gets sick. Wow. Well. Maybe you do need to get out and about more I guess and you know, build up it. your immune system a little bit. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> that is probably true. So it's nice to be back, and we, I, we have a good show, I think, planned for today and some fun ones coming up down the pike here, too. Oh, yeah. We're really getting going with this stable scoop thing. I know. I know. And people are liking it. We're, we just set another record for downloads last week, so that's exciting. Awesome. Awesome. What do we have for today? We have all about... Aiken. And uh, Aiken's kind of a special place. It's um, quickly becoming one of the, the fastest growing. We should um, say that's horse... in South Carolina. Well, yeah, well, I was going to get to that. Oh, one. okay, sorry. Oh my God, one week off and you've just <laughs> comes back a monster. <laughs> I, okay, so Aiken, South, South Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> yes, Aiken is becoming one of the fastest growing horse places, for lack of a better word, in, in the country. Um, it's about an hour south of Columbia, which is the capital of South Carolina. It's not too far from Augusta, Georgia, and um, uh, probably about two, two and a half hours, I think, from, from the um, Atlantic Ocean. Uh, and we're going to talk to three people who um, have who actually live in Aiken. Um, Pam Gleason is the publisher of The Aiken Horse, which is a horse publication. And we have Craig Thompson, who is an upper-level eventer, and he's the proprietor of Craig Thompson Eventing, as well as the organizer of the Aiken Event Horse Sale. And then we're speaking to Deirdre Viancourt, 
who is um, realtor extraordinaire. She is with the Maybaum Realty family, and she's in Aiken, South Carolina. And you're just going to tell us a little bit about the state of real estate in Aiken these days. Well, that sounds like a great show is lined up here today, Helena. Yeah. It, uh, after talking to all these people, it makes me want to uh, head down to Aiken for a little vacation. I know. I'm ready. I'm ready to go up on vacation right now because in Kentucky right now, we're in the middle of a major ice storm. So and I know you're in the middle of a snowstorm. Oh, please. We haven't seen dry land since Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's true. Probably, isn't it? Yeah, Seriously, we have about 10 inches of snow on the ground. And and it's just, that's it. We have snow. I think about snow. three quarters of the state of Kentucky is without power today. So we're lucky that we're actually recording. I do have power. Did, is your your uh, your house covered in ice and your car covered yes, in ice? Yes, everything is ice covered. Did uh, you know? I think I even sent you some pictures this morning. Uh, it's just incredible. You know, inch inch and a half of ice on everything, and there's trees down everywhere. And matter of fact, the Red Cross has opened shelters, so I'm a Red Cross volunteer. So I'll probably be working in one of the shelters tonight. Yeah, let's put up some of those ice pictures. I think on the show notes that'll be kind of cool. I think okay, I'll, maybe I'll do that. Write a little blog entry about the ice in uh, Kentucky, where we're supposed to be not having ice. Right. Yeah, that's what you <laughs> that's what you get for moving, quote unquote, south, Glenn. You're right. I know. Well, before we get to our first interview here with Pam Gleason, who's the publisher of the Aiken Horse. I wanted to mention uh, the Barnworks. We thank the Barnworks for their support. If you need a print advertisement for your local trade magazine or maybe an ad for the Omnibus, or if you want to uh, tastefully design graphics that represent the professionalism of your business, we suggest you contact the Barnworks. This is a small uh, marketing firm that knows design, horses, and how to put them together to bring new business to your front door. The design team at the Barnworks works hard to listen to your needs and to deliver graphics, logos, web designs that are timely, contemporary, and elegant. For a preview of their work, visit thebarnworks.com. Not only do they deliver quality and service, but they also can do it on whatever budget you have to work with. That's the Barnworks Marketing Services for Equestrians Like You. That's 978-468-5167, or just go to thebarnworks.com. And as a matter of fact, Helena, I think the Barnworks, one of the people we're talking to today is clients of the Barnworks, aren't they? That's right. We have uh, Craig Thompson Eventing is a client of the Barnworks, as is the Aiken Event Horse Sale. Oh, wow. Good. If you go to either of those websites, you'll see a sample of the Barnworks designs. Great. So contact the Barnworks. Uh, They do good work there. And the websites are nice. They're elegant. And I know the graphics are always very elegant. And they just do a good job. So get a hold of them for all of your needs. Right now is the time when the economy is down like this to be concentrating on marketing. To, it's not the time to forget marketing. Right. You know, it's, that, that tends to be something that uh, business people do, especially small businesses, is when times get tough, they tend to say, well, we'll cut marketing out of the budget. That's the thing that should be in the budget. That's right. You want people coming in your front door. You want them to bring their money with them. It's the, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the first thing you – businesses that cut marketing out first usually end up not being in business. That's right. Uh, and so that's our lecture for the day. Okay. <laughs> Let's start talking about Aiken and, and get uh, Pam on the phone here. Hi, Pam. We appreciate you being on the show with us all about Aiken. And, you know, when I talked to you earlier in the month, I couldn't believe what an encyclopedia you are on, on, the, on the town and county of Aiken. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you to say. Um, you know, there is a, a lot of history about the town, and especially about the horse industry here. Um, 
And if you really want to go all the way back, we'd probably go back to the 1890s because that's when mostly, that's when a lot of the northerners started coming down to Aiken to uh, participate in horse activities. Um, before that, Aiken had been known as a resort community, um, and actually it was more a tuberculosis resort because it was considered to be a very healthful place to be in the winter months. So a lot of the wealthy <laughs> people from the north used to come down to Aiken. And then, are they the ones out. that had tuberculosis or the yeah, ones who were, were... There were quite a number of tuberculosis sanatoriums here. Oh, great. And then there grew up around that kind of a, a lot of hotels. Um, by 1890, uh, Matthew Tighe, who wrote about traveling to South Carolina, talked about it as a city of hotels. Uh, the largest hotel in town was a, uh, the Highland Park Hotel that had 350 rooms and, you know, looked out on the what is now called the Hitchcock Woods, which is considered the sort of the jewel in the heart of Aiken. Um, it's a 2,200-acre uh, park where people can ride. Um, and it's, it's, still, it's owned by Hitchcock Woods Foundation. Um, so anybody can go ride there? Anybody can go ride there. You can join the Hitchcock Woods Foundation for a, a very nominal fee, but it's basically open to riders and walkers. Um, and you have to give precedence to the Aiken Hounds, which is a hunt that goes out there twice a week during the hunting season. Oh, is that a, that's a drag hunt, right? That's the drag hunt. There you go, yep. Helena. 2,200 acres to hunt on. There you go. I know. <laughs> I know. And I hear that there's more than one hunt. I, I, I'm, I hear that yeah. there's several to choose from. There are, in fact, five hunts, and you can hunt pretty much any day of the week. Uh, oh, you, can, you can actually go over to Thompson, to Georgia, and hunt with them, the Belmede hunt, and you'd say there were six hunts in the area. Um, so there's not a big surprise that people come here for hunting. Oh, um, you'd never get any work done, Helena. Oh, back, back in the early days, um, hunting and polo were the two big equestrian draws here. Um, polo started in Aiken in 1882. Um, the first recorded game was on the site of today's uh, Whitney Field, and it was a game in March of 1882 that apparently attracted 10,000 spectators. So that's what they said in the wow. Charleston newspaper. Um, whether that's true or not, I can't say. Um, but uh, they continued to play polo into the 1890s. Um, in 1900, uh, William C. Whitney from New York had bought some land that some of it is now the Hitchcock Woods and some of it is now uh, Aiken's polo field, uh, Whitney Field, which is on Mead Avenue in downtown Aiken. And uh, he gave that the uh, polo field to the, the city to keep it being played, keep it as a polo field. So that's okay. probably why polo was able to survive here for so long was because this was an area that had a little racetrack around it that's been uh, dedicated to the polo field since 1900. I think it was actually 1901. Um, so actually, uh, Aiken's polo field is the, uh, the oldest polo field, the oldest polo field that's continually been played upon in, in the country. It's celebrating its 127th year this year. Wow. Uh, how long have you been there? Did you grow up in Aiken, or are you relocated? No, I'm, I'm, I'm from Boston. I'm part of the contingent of people who have come down for the mild winters and the lovely horse atmosphere. Um, and I've been here. I used to send my horses down. I, I play polo myself, and I used to send my horses down for the winter. Um, and I used to start coming down in, in March to get my horses ready and bring them back to Boston. And then... Uh, various things happened and I needed somewhere to keep my horses and it was pretty much impossible to afford anything in Boston that I could, you know, the Boston area that I could actually buy. So I ended up coming down here and I've been here for four years. Well, now, do you, so you've been there for four years. How long has the Aiken Horse, which is the publication that you're the publisher of, how this long? Is the fourth year. 
Oh, this, it is the fourth year. year. So you started yes. it as soon as you got there. I started it, and I I actually moved here in March of 2005 and started the Aiken Horse in October of 2005. Um, I had the friends of mine had convinced me that we had to have a horse publication in Aiken because there were so many horse activities going on, and nobody really knew. Um, really knew what the schedule of anything was. I mean, if you were in, inside your own discipline, you usually knew, but you didn't really know things like if you wanted to go watch someone at an event, for instance. Um, if you were a polo player, you might not really know where that was. So, And there was nowhere to advertise anything for sale. So, you know, if you had a horse for sale or if you had a, a horse business, it, it was hard to get in touch with the horse community. So I figured that um, Aiken really needed such a publication and, and decided to do it in August of 2005, and I think I decided on August 15th. I had my website on August 17th, and I had the first issue out on, on October 1st. And by so, December, you were sorry you did, or was it? <laughs> the first issue was 28 pages. The second issue was 48 pages, and it's just gone up from there. So. How, how big is it now? Uh, it's going to be 116, this issue. Oh, and our largest issue has been 120 pages, which is basically maxes out the, the what size we can do when we keep it. It's, it's a newspaper, and we keep it to three sections. So. Well, one of the things I really liked about it and when I read it over was that there are a lot of – some of these publications now, it's all ads. I mean, there's no articles at all. Right. And yours is a lot of articles and a lot about the people there there and, you know, what they're doing. And there's so many horse people there from dressage to jumpers right. to eventers to polo players to fox hunters. I mean, there's just so much to cover. Well, that's right, and we, you know, we try to keep it focused on the people who are here and the sports that are here. And it turns out that there is so much going on that we're really never going to run out of topics. So, you know, there's 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 no point in kind of going to a generic format when we have so many interesting things to tell. So, and you know, we're we're lucky that you know we've managed to attract some good writers and people are are nice and they like to talk to us, and it's um, you know it's worked out all around. Um, and it's a beautifully laid out publication. I, it's, I, you know, coming from a creative background, it, right. the, it's just a nice balance of information, advertising. Um, it's just really a, a pleasure to look at. And you've got an online version through myvirtualpaper.com, right. don't you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, um, if, if you want to talk about the layout and the design and the look of it, you have to, we have to give credit to Gary Knoll, who's a horse photographer very well known in the industry, um, who has been doing the layout um, for, oh, since the second volume of the paper. So this is actually, I think, his third, his third February-March issue that we're working on right now. Um, and he does the layout and a great, um, large amount of the photography. So, um, is are most of his photographs what you use for your covers? Yeah, you have the yeah. best covers. Yeah, oh my gosh! The covers that he does the covers and you know takes great care and great pride in making them look good. You know, making the the publication attractive. So, you know, we're really very in, um, interested in, in in making sure that it's a quality product. And it kind of goes back to into the whole spirit of of the Aiken horse world. I mean. Amateurs really have been coming down to to ride and to train and to play polo and to hunt and to steeplechase and you know to train polo uh, to train racehorses and to train trotting horses and doing all of these things since um, really like the early part of the 1900s and all of those people had a very high standard they clearly had a very high standard for themselves and a very high standard for their horses and you know we we like to feel like we're kind of following in that. Um, in, in that, that vein, you know, we want to keep everything as, as high quality as we can. 
Yeah, you know, a lot of times when you think of Aiken, I know people think of Aiken, they think it's like this in the middle of the country with nothing around and no Home Depot and no restaurants and Oh, that, no, not, not at all. They always say, one of, I mean, there, there are a lot of cliches at this point about Aiken. I mean, one of them is people come to Aiken and they say, you know, horse people come to Aiken and they say, as soon as I got here, I felt like I was at home. I see that there's people wearing riding clothes in the grocery store and walking down the street and, <laughs> and there's horse, um, you know, horse statues in the sidewalks and the street signs of horses on them. Um, one of the other things that people say about Aiken is that they say it's a, a, a small town with a big city or cosmopolitan feel or a, a big city atmosphere. You know, we have restaurants that people like very much. Um, we have boutique shops. The uh, Aiken Downtown Development Association has kind of made a, a big push over the last decade or so to make sure that the downtown area is developed and very charming. We have, you know, beautiful little shops downtown. We also have Whiskey Road, which has, uh, you know, we have the Aiken Mall, we now have a Books a Million, which makes me very happy. Um, <laughs> we have, you know, Home Depot. We have Lowe's. We have all kinds of things. We're also, you know, uh, about an hour from Columbia, South Carolina, which is the capital that has everything you you could want. Um, it's in, and uh, we're close to, you know, only 15 minutes from or 20 minutes from Augusta, Georgia, which has a lot of things as well. Um, so it's you know it's it is out in the country you know it is two hours two and a half hours to the coast two hours to Charleston to a little more than two hours to Charleston but two hours to Charlotte two hours to um, Atlanta I mean, we're we're kind of centrally located so it's you know in the country but it's not that far away from everything not That's isolated part. you're not isolated and and right. you know we have. We have airports too, so if you need to, you know, if you if you're here and you feel like you need to go somewhere that's you know a big city, you can always get on the plane and go to one. Uh, <laughs> so what, what's your favorite thing about living there? Oh, my favorite thing about living here is that I can live with my horses, of course. So, yeah. so uh, the and have 2,200 acres to ride on anytime. Well, you want. exactly. I mean, <laughs> the Hitchcock Woods is an incredible thing that you can just drive down and you know. And there's the jump. There, there's like jumps set up there. Oh, it's beautiful jumps. And yeah. Some of them go back to the, you know. Some of them have a tremendous amount of history to them too. So you know, the, the names of the trails in the woods are. You know, they kind of harken back to the days of what they called the Winter Colony, which is when, you know, the, the sort of the wealthy New York and Boston and Chicago people came here in the 20s and 30s. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that sense, I guess, of, of history and of horses. And the other thing that is um, unique in my experience about Aiken is that people from different horse disciplines seem to get along here a lot better than they do in a lot of other places. Um, you know, if you go some places, you'll find that the people who hunt won't talk to the people who play polo, and the people who play polo won't talk to the people who event. But, but here, there's a lot more talking back and forth. A lot of the people who are polo players are also on the hunt. Um, you know, people who event are also on the hunt. The people, there are a lot of eventers here who work at the thoroughbred training track, um, you know, training young horses. Um, there's there's a, a horse culture here that, that transcends your discipline, which is very nice because I, I don't like to see everything all segmented. We can all right. learn from each other, if you know what I mean. So. Sorry but, about that. I was uh, I was on mute that time. <laughs> That's all right. What did you say? I was busy flipping through the Aiken horse. <laughs> okay. That's the problem, the problem we have with things. Alina. She gets to checking out the websites and stuff, and then she forgets to ask questions. Right, right. Well, everyone should check out the website. I, I should, What's, what is the website? It's uh, www.theakenhorse.com. 
And we have, since our September issue, have, we do have it digitized and up there. So we have just the regular website that has, you know, the sort of information about the publication. But you can also click on our covers from the September issue on and actually read the entire paper online. Which is really nice. That yeah. has... Well, it's, it makes it easy to have a reference to it if you want to, you know, you, you want to come back and look at something that you've read about in September but you forgot. Um, and the other thing is that it's really, um, you know, in a way that doesn't require cutting down more trees and making more papers, it's made it more accessible to more people. Well, if I can ask you a little bit about that from the business end of things, there's so many of the large newspapers that are having trouble and going out of business and everything. Are you, are you doing okay? Obviously, you have oh, 120 pages. Great. Now we're doing great. You know, uh, I'd say things are maybe uh, right now a tiny bit down from where they were last year, but they're way up from where they were the year before. So I think that, you know, that business problem is, it, in general publications, I believe that's true. I think that in sort of the niche markets, um, in the horses, um, you know, things are still seem to be doing pretty well. Um, the other thing that's, that's helpful is that Aiken itself has um, drawn, in, in some ways, has actually drawn some more people with the economic downturn because it's less expensive than places like Florida. So if you were going to go to Florida to show this winter and, you know, your stock account took some tremendous hit that you still want to show, you can come to Aiken and it costs less and the competition is great and everyone's having a wonderful time. So we've done, Aiken, I think, is doing well that way. Um, you know, it's it's... I'm optimistic about it. I don't see a, I don't see a, a big problem. Um, you know, who, who knows what, what's going to happen in the future, of course. But um, right now, things are, uh, seem to be very good. Um, the uh, the online thing, you know, is working very well. It's wonderful that we have people who are reading the Aiken Horse in, in the former Soviet Union and Russia and China and India um, and Spain. I mean, we have tremendous number of readers from actually all across the country and all around the world. Uh, I think we've had 42 hits from 42 different countries um, on that, you know, for the, um, the online paper. Um, and the average person actually reads it. The average person reads 40 pages. Wow. I think it's pretty good. That, yeah. is really good. <laughs> that is really good. Yeah, and now you're going to be out to some new countries, I think, too, uh, because we're listening to, uh, we have about 10 countries now that are our top 10 people uh -huh. listening to us from across the world. So, Well, that's wonderful. I encourage everyone to go to the website, www.theakenhorse.com. And if you don't know how to spell Aiken, it's A-I-K-E-N. And I say this because uh, we are... We are not actually related to, but we're connected in the minds of people. It's another horse town, which is Aachen, Germany, which is spelled A-A-C-H-E-N. Right. When I used to hear people talk about Aiken back when I lived in Boston, that was how I always spelled it in my mind. So, <laughs> All right, great. We are A-I-K-E-N, which if anyone is a hunter-jumper rider and they remember jumping over jumps called Aikens, that's named after Aiken, and those were actually jumps that were invented by Thomas Hitchcock, who was one of the founders of the Horse Winter Colony here, came here in 1890 with his wife Louise. All right, Pam, well, we appreciate you being on with us today. Hold on after the interview, we want to chat with you a little bit. Okay. Um, Great, but, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and everybody can check it out at theakenhorse.com. Yeah, right. we'll put links to it in the show notes this week as well. 
What a great interview. Pam surely knows her stuff about Aiken. Well, you know what? We just touched the surface. That that woman can just go on and on. She's like an encyclopedia. You heard her. She, yes, I she did. knows all these dates and I mean, it's just <laughs> And I talked to her in the car one day and she was doing that. So it's not that she had them in front of her. She just knows this stuff. Yeah. Well, she said, you know, you write you write a lot of the articles. You you tend to commit this stuff to memory. Yeah. I guess. Well, well she you know, it's good to hear a, a fellow northeasterner has has moved down to Aiken and uh, become so um, involved. I bet you you really want to move uh, 2,200 acres and five hunts. I know. And sandy <laughs> footing. I just, I, we can't talk about it anymore. Because I know. You're going to cry. <laughs> All right. Well, next we have uh, a venter, a well-known venter on, uh, Craig Thompson, who's an upper-level rider and proprietor of Craig Thompson Eventing and the organizer of the Aiken Event Horse Sale. And uh, I'm thrilled to have him on. He He's made a residence out of Aiken. And we can talk to him a little bit about why he did that and all the things that he's got going on this year and what horses he has to play with this year in competition and, and what's coming down the pike. Hi, Craig. We appreciate you being on the Stable Scoop Show from warm, sunny, well, not so sunny, but warm Aiken. Uh, glad to be here. I wish it was warm and sunny today. <laughs> it's a lot warmer than it is here. We're in the middle of an ice storm here in Kentucky. So. All right, I'll and a snowstorm here in Boston. <laughs> yeah, so we're not feeling sorry for you at all, by the way. No, what so, is the temperature down there today? Uh, about 65. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. okay, no sympathy from yeah. those of us yeah. up here. <laughs> we did have snow last week, and I did go out and take a picture of it. Oh, did you? How much yeah, did you get? Well, enough to take a picture of. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't remind you of your Pennsylvania days, though, did it? No. Um, and I was very glad that it was sort of one of those things that happened in the morning and was gone by the afternoon. Do you miss those Pennsylvania's Day, uh, all the frozen buckets? and the? I was, I was at my sister's. She still lives in Pennsylvania. I was at my sister's at Christmas, and it was nice to be there uh, for a day. And <laughs> that was probably enough for me. Yeah. Um, no, I don't miss those frozen buckets at all. <laughs> Shoveling well, out gates. That, and... No, that brings up a good subject. Tell us a little, for, for those of, of our listeners who don't know you, Craig, tell us a little bit about um, how you how you got started in horses and how you ended up in Aiken. Because oh, you, you like obviously so many, weren't born and raised there. Yeah. Like so many kids, I started out in Pony Club in Pennsylvania. Uh, after college, I spent most of my professional career, which was about 10 or 12 years of it, in Middleburg, Virginia. Um, I had a, a brief stint in Frederick, Maryland, starting the Maryland Horse Trials, and we were there for about six months. And when that was sort of winding down, Sarah and I were trying to decide where to go. And we had spent so many winters in Aiken, and every spring we would think, well, why are we going back north? And so we thought, you know what, let's go. I already owned a house here that we were using seasonally, and we thought, let's go start looking at property. And it, it really just made sense for us at the time. Um, you know, having spent, I don't know, probably five or six winters here, it, it was already starting to feel like home, and every year I was wanting to come earlier and leave later. Well, why and, why Aiken and not Florida or someplace like that? That's a great question, and I certainly, certainly spent plenty of winters in Florida. Um, to me, Aiken as a town is a much nicer town. Nothing, I don't want to go bashing Ocala, but it's a much nicer town than, than the towns I stayed in in Florida. It's, there's a, a history of horsemanship here. There's a the sense that there's a real downtown and community that I found missing in some other places. And and then the other side of that is just I find the footing to be better here than in Florida or in Southern Pines. And I've spent a great deal of time in both those places. Uh, the footing in Southern Pines and the footing in Ocala gets deep easily. And right. one of the things that, you know, with horse trials, it's, sure, we can do the dressage and show jumping in an improved surface, but we have to be able to take the cross-country out of the ring. And if you're 
running 400 horses over the same cross-country track every weekend, that track gets beat up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Here I find the footing holds up for a lot longer, recovers a lot more quickly, and I, I genuinely, genuinely believe you see a lot fewer tendon injuries and soft tissue injuries here in Aiken than you do in other areas. Is it a combination of dirt and sand in Aiken? Or? Yeah, it's sandy dirt. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, it, 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 can, it can be much darker. It looks more like topsoil, but it has more the consistency of sand, and it doesn't get nearly as hard in the summer, and it's really easy to roll or rake or harrow back out, and uh, it's just lovely stuff. So far, being in, in Aiken compared to spending so much time in, in Middleburg, what would you say is the greatest difference, aside from the footing, um, and going from the Mid-Atlantic to, to Aiken? Is it, is it a big culture change? Um, it is possible to stand at the coffee shop in downtown Aiken and think you're in Massachusetts or New York. There's so many, you know, people have come here, you know, and I think so many people start out coming for a month or two and end up retiring here. Are there or... any southern accents left at all? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like there's none left. <laughs> We've done a whole you show know, on Aiken and interviewed several people and haven't heard a southern accent yet. I know, I know. none of them are all, none of them are from Aiken. You need to do a demographic study of some sort because there, there definitely is a, a lot of slippage from north to south here. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, there is a, some southern accents around here, but a lot of them aren't from Aiken either. <laughs> Good point. Uh, the, you know, I, I think there's a couple of differences that I see. Um, for one, everybody's here because they want to be here. Nobody came here, you know, so much because of a job or anything. They came here because they discovered Aiken and they really loved it and they didn't want to leave. Um, would I, you know, is the cost of running my business higher or lower here? It's probably a little lower here. I mean, that's not a bad thing, for sure. Um, the the horse trials that we have are of really nice quality and they're really, I mean, you, you could you could drive 30 minutes in every direction and, and run into a horse trial. I mean, there's just so many good horse trials within such a close proximity, and that is a really nice thing this time of year. I Especially in this economy. Are, well, exactly. Uh, oh, and, and gas is very cheap in South Carolina. <laughs> 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 Lowest gas taxes in the country. <laughs> so uh, I think all those things add up. So you've been doing some cool stuff. While you, did, would you own your own place? Uh, we own a farm out just outside of Aiken where we do the Aiken eventing camp and Aiken event horse sale. And it's the farm that I train out of and teach out of. So uh, how big is the farm? 20 acres. 20 acres? Well, that's a good size. It's the perfect size because we have a lot of open country around us, uh, you know, plenty of hacking on the neighboring farms. And it was nice because when we bought it, it was just cleared, so we were able to lay everything out exactly the way we wanted it. Oh, my you've custom-built it. Yeah, I've always, I've always moved into somebody else's mistake. Right, uh, right. You know, so if there are any mistakes here, they're of my own doing anyway. Um, <laughs> All right, but, so you, you know, can learn from them. <laughs> well, exactly. It, it let us put the ring where we wanted the ring, the jump field where we wanted the jump field, the cross-country where we wanted the cross-country. And, uh, you know, it, 20 acres isn't that big when you start laying all of that out, but if you do it from scratch, you can, you can sort of maximize your space. So you have a house and barn on it then, I assume? Uh, we have two apartments in the barn. Sarah and I share one of those, and the other one's for staff. Um, I do own a house in town, but I actually use it as a seasonal rental as well. And, so, and uh, there's a big business in seasonal rentals this time of year. I bet. So let's, you've mentioned Sarah a couple times. We, you should tell us, tell everybody in case they don't know who Sarah is. Sarah Heffron is my girlfriend, and I would say she mostly runs everything around here, um, which is a awfully – everybody should have a Sarah because it allows me to train horses and teach lessons, and she takes care of everything else. Well, I heard, uh, I heard that she's a tremendous cook, too. <laughs> That's what I heard. We, we had dinner with a friend last night at a restaurant, and 
uh, I discovered that she was disappointed to find out that we were going to a restaurant. She had wanted to come over here. Uh, <laughs> she has a reputation. It gets around. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, she loves to cook. She's a great cook. And she also really does much more of the organizing for the sale and the camps than I do. Um, I'm, I'm good at the uh, infrastructure stuff as well as the teaching and training, but she's just so good about connecting dots and bringing everything together and making sure everybody's on schedule and marching on the same page. Well, we talked about the camp quite a bit, actually, in last week's show, which was uh, we had to we threw in the eventing show for Stable Scoop last week, and and we talked about the camp quite a bit. But just mention it briefly and and what it is and who you're doing it with and that kind of thing. Uh, Allison Springer and I are doing the teaching. Uh, Abigail Lufkin's going to be here on Monday to do a presentation on sports psychology. Uh, Christiana Ober, who's the team vet for the Canadian Riders, is going to be here to talk about maintaining your event horse. Uh, Katie Lou Gray, who's a top equine masseuse and works at all the big events for us, is going to come for a day. Uh, we were aiming for a real sort of holistic week for everybody, so hopefully we've, we've put enough of that together for everyone. And uh, I'm really excited that Abigail's coming because, to me, it's very easy to preach and demonstrate and show the physical skills necessary to be successful. I think a lot of riders overlook the mental skills that are necessary to be successful. Now, this is a camp for grown-ups, right, or for all ages? All ages. Anybody's welcome. Okay. Kids of all ages. That's Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, that's you know, going for, to be What's that? it's February 1st through the 6th of this year, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. Are you hoping, that's are you hoping cool. to what, make this an annual thing? Uh, I would love to see it become an annual thing. And Allison and I have talked about also doing one in Virginia in the early summer. You know, I, I think that there are a couple of places around the country and a couple of dates throughout the year where you can do this type of thing. And uh, so, you know, certainly Aiken this time of year is one of those opportunities. Maybe June or July in Middleburg would be another. You know, cool. uh, anything that gets people out and, and broadens their horizons and, and challenges them to think about how they ride and how they think about horses, I think is a good thing. And, you know, I'm excited to be a part of it. Now, that's something that you um, carry through into your own business and through Craig Thompson Eventing. Tell us a little bit about um, that part of your business, that part of your life, and uh, what you're trying to achieve there and maybe some of the horses you've got going right now. Well, we always, all, all of us always need more horses going. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a very good advanced horse named Orion who did not get to show jump at Fair Hill last year, but jumped beautifully around the cross country and had an injury, so he's just starting back to work now. So we'll sort of see where he's at in the coming months. And I'd love for him to go to Kentucky. Uh, don't know whether that's going to be realistic or not. So and you mean uh, you mean Rolex? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. We've, I've been following some of um, your um, successes or your, your challenges with Orion through your blog, which is a great blog, by the way. It's Thanks. absolutely addicting. <laughs> it mean you really you mean you read about these these horses and and what works for you at certain events and what doesn't work and you you just you find yourself rooting for these this cast of characters that you just when you say we want to go to Kentucky you know there's those of us out there that are saying come on we're rooting for you <laughs> well I appreciate that thank you <laughs> is it, is Orion a prospect for Wag uh, well if he goes to Kentucky he would be how's that okay <laughs> all right <laughs> not much time uh, left for Kentucky either anymore. No, but, you know, a horse like that, he's very developed. I mean, he knows the game. He, kn he knows all the exercises. Would you try to get him into Red Hills or something ahead of time? Or? Uh, he'll do a, if, if he can do a couple of horse trials, he, um, he would have to do a couple of horse trials. Yeah. He'll try to get him to Southern Pines and the Fork. Okay. Uh, but, you know, a horse at that level doesn't need to do a whole lot. You know, they, they've seen all the questions. They have an idea of what's going on when they show up at the horse trials. You know, you're not looking at 
six or eight events to get them ready. You're looking at two or three events to get. Well, them you're going to have one heck of if you get them to Rolex, you're going to you're going to enjoy the new stadium. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and if he doesn't get to Rolex, there'll be other opportunities. But that's you know, it's 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 enough of a possibility that that's you know what we're thinking at the moment. Good. Um, you know, there always has to be Plan B and Plan C and Plan D. That's how horses are, right? So, do you have yeah. the Plan B and C in your barn? I got, <laughs> I got Plan B. <laughs> hey, that puts you ahead of the game, Craig. There you go. And I've got a very nice young horse that just did a bunch of preliminaries last year, and he's you know going to become an intermediate horse here in the next month or two, and I'm very excited about him. Um, you know, I mean, if if everything fell into place, he'd get to finish the year doing a three star. Yeah, if and everything you know doesn't fall into place, you get to finish the year doing a two star. Um, you know, I'm I'm very lucky to have the two very nice horses there, and you know, in some ways, we're better off having two very nice horses instead of four average horses. Are um, they are they uh, thoroughbreds? Thoroughbred crosses, warm bloods? American or? thoroughbreds. Yep, no, yep. both American thoroughbreds. Oh, I, you know, uh, I'm a thoroughbred guy, um, and and I suppose that's because I grew up, you know, riding racehorses at the track, and most of the horses we deal with in this country come off the track, and. Uh, you know, nothing against warm blood, but I, I will train whatever walks in the door, and, and a good horse is a good horse no matter what their background is. But uh, for the most part, I'm, I'm still a thoroughbred guy, and I still think it's, for the most part, it is, for the most part, still a thoroughbred game, though that might be changing a little bit. But uh, so many of our horses come off the track, you know, or like these two actually never raced, but they were bred to go to the track, weren't they? Um, if you can't do that in this country, you're going to limit the number and type of horses you can deal with. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. Know, that's that's the the funnel that they all come through in this country. Speaking of uh, horses coming off the track, you have a sale coming up too, don't you? We do, and we hope everybody will come out for that. It was great fun last year. Uh, you know, last year we had 65, 66 horses in the sale. Uh, everything from horses that were, you know, the cheapest one was forty five hundred bucks. The most expensive one was one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. And and I can't wait for to do it again. To me, as a professional, it's fascinating to spend a day here watching that range of horses and and. and and riders, too. I mean, you see some great riding, and you see some people that you kind of want to go out and help them a little bit. So, uh, so this is called the Ava- <coughs> sorry, Aiken Event Horse Sale, and man, it's I, in March, I, right? Yeah I, yeah, I wish I could say that we were original. You know, there's an Aiken Polo Pony Sale here twice a year, and we uh, kind of ripped off their idea. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and I suppose that's the kind of town Aiken is. You know, you're always looking around thinking, oh, what, what are they doing over there in Polo? Oh, what are the hunting people doing? There's so much goes on in Aiken with horses, you know, whether it's hunting, polo, event horses. And so our little niche is, is eventing, and, and that led to this event horse sale. Now, is uh, it an, it's not an auction, right? Explain to us how very, it works. Yeah, it's definitely not an auction. It's a okay. sale. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a chance for buyers and sellers to come together at one place for a couple of days. And we didn't really think that the American eventing market was ready for an auction. You know, that can be a little bit intimidating, and, you know, it's got all sorts of different connotations. This is really, you know, any transaction that takes place, it's a, it's a deal between the buyer and the seller. It's just as if you were doing it at home. It just happens that there's a whole bunch of horses and a whole bunch of people all in one place. Um, now, what, you know, what, so, makes, so, what's that? what makes an event horse different than, say, a sport horse? Why would I go to an event horse sale versus a sport horse sale? Or, you know, what's the difference yeah. there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't have a whole lot of experience with the sport horse sales. It does appear to me like the Virginia sport horse sale and that type of thing is geared more towards show horses. Uh, this is definitely a group of horses, for the most part, that has already competed in eventing. Most of the horses have a proven track record. You know, they are competing here this winter in the local events. They've done all the events, you know, on, on our regular calendar. Uh, so I think it's a way to narrow and define the group of horses you're looking at. You know, every horse here is an event horse. You know, I've either proven to be an event horse or started down the path of being an event horse. 
A lot of the uh, the people that I fox hunt with um, are also eventers, and sometimes you'll find somebody that um, takes a horse, takes a field hunter, and, and will event with them. Um, are there any horses that might be suitable for dual careers? Obviously not at the upper levels as, as some of these horses would be, but maybe somewhere in the middle range. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, when you have the spectrum of horses we have, there's definitely almost one of every type. Um, and they're, you know, these aren't just all upper-level prospects or upper-level horses. A lot of these are just really nice, useful, everyday horses at the lower end of the price range and that are very versatile. Um, you know, not just for fox hunting. I mean, we had a very nice horse last year that got sold as a show hunter. And, you know, we had another one that it didn't end up getting sold, but, you know, I remember watching it and telling a friend, said, you know, that you should go look at that one as an expectation horse. You know, when you put 60 or 70 nice horses in one place, a lot of opportunities pop up. Yeah, I guess that's the point is just being being there and being able to see it all at once without having to travel all over the country. Yep. You go to one place and it's all right there in front. I mean, I think this is such a fabulous idea. How convenient. That was our idea. It was convenient. You know, everybody is already here this time of year. You know, and to me as a professional, I, I have bought a lot of horses over the years. I hate it. <laughs> you know, like I hate <laughs> yeah. traveling. I hate driving four hours to see one horse that's probably lame and Right. You know, spending half a day to look at another one that's you know, 15 hands instead of 16 hands. You know, we wanted to, to minimize that. And one of the great things about going to England and horse shopping is you can see so many horses in such a small area. We wanted to try to do that here, you know, and, and this time of year so many professionals are already in town with their sale horses. So many, I think that's why you know, so many eventers end up over in England is it's just easier to get the shows too. Oh, exactly. I mean, yeah. it's just you know, it's a smaller country with a higher proportion of horses, and, and this is a, it sort of mirrors that. It's a small area with a lot of horses. Now, how does the sale work exactly? Uh, tell us how it works. Uh, we accept entries. We're accepting entries now, and people can enter their horse or register their horse in the sale online. Um, uh, so the actual days of the sale, we'll have stabling on sites this year, and the morning of uh, each day with two-day sale, each morning we have a jog or presentation of the horses in hand, just like at a big three-day event. Um, and I love that because it's just a, a chance to see the raw material, you know, just watch them jog down the lane and back again. Right. And then we break it up into sort of 15, 20-minute sessions with four or five horses in each group, and whoever's riding them shows them off a little bit, and they can show them off in the flat and over the show jumps and jump a few cross-country jumps. And as everybody watches, then they get to sort of, you know, pick and choose. And in the afternoon, we turn it over to test rides. And an a buyer or a trainer looking for a horse would come to the office and sign up to try a horse. And they get to do the same thing. They can jump around. They can slap the horse a little bit. They can canter through the water. We, we have a very good facility for doing all of those things in a very small area. So you can watch real easily, and it's not like you have to trot 20 minutes to the far side of the farm to canter through the water jump. The water jump is right here in front of us. Mm. Um, and then there's vets on site. If somebody wants to vet a horse, uh, if somebody wants to try a horse again the next day, they're certainly welcome to. With the stabling that's on ground, you know, the people can go back to the barn and take a look at the horse in the stall and hang out a little bit. Um, you know, it, it really is designed to be user-friendly for everybody. So if you're a buyer, you can, you can attend with your trainer, and either one or both of you could actually get on the, the horse. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. The nice part about this kind of sale is you can you can can drive away with it too. In fact, Kevin Reynolds will have his tractor trailer here, and he'll be happy to deliver that horse. <laughs> I'm sure he would. Like. <laughs> anywhere in the country. <laughs> hey, did how many did you sell last year? Do you have an idea? You know, it seems to me that we only sold eight during the sale. But there was like a lot there, wasn't there? 
there, there wasn't that, you know, at first that doesn't sound like a lot, but our goal was actually to sell 10% of the horses. So we sold more than 10% of the horses. And what happened was there was a lot of follow-up. Uh, you know, the horses entered in the sale got a lot of exposure. And we can't say exactly how many sales that led to, but we know that it led to a lot of interest and activity in the horses after they left the sale. And that is certainly one of the benefits of entering a horse in the sale. And but eight you, in one day is not a bad no, is not, not a bad, bad number at all. No, it's not. I've never sold eight in one day. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, other than that. <laughs> if he did, he wouldn't be talking to us. <laughs> so, um, what what do you uh, what do you think with the economy this year? What do you think is going to happen as, in your sale and then on through the showing season and so forth? What do you see the effects? Are you seeing are you seeing less lessons or you know are you seeing any effect at all? You know, I, I wish I had a good answer for that. I, I was talking to a show secretary last night who said they're down about 50 entries over years past. You know, yeah. that's a lot of entries to be short on. Yeah. Um, I certainly have fewer horses in training this now than I did this time last year. However, I would say I'm probably teaching more riding lessons than I've ever taught, really, anytime, anywhere. So I, I don't, can't explain that. <laughs> well, you know, with the sale, you would – you would, I could argue both sides of that, that with the economy being so poor, there's going to be more people wanting to sell their horses. Yeah. You know, you yeah. could see more horses, less buyers, or, you know, the other way around. You know, my, my experience, and, you know, certainly I've been in this business a long time now, my experience is that good horses always end up getting sold, you know. Right. Uh, there's always a place for a good horse, and, and there's always a price at which every horse will get sold. Um, so... I think that if you've got a good product and you put a reasonable price on it, it's still going to find a new home. You know, Not to mention the fact that if you're out there looking for a bargain, now's a good time to I, shop. I think that's very true. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think that's now's very a good true. time to shop. Yes, do you, do exactly. you have a concern? I noticed uh, you know, there were a couple I read this last week. There are several events, uh, uh, Jersey or uh, the one up in Jersey there. Jersey uh, Press. Yeah, that uh, you know, was having – well, they've always had a little bit of troubles, but – you know, are are you concerned that with the economy that we're going to see some events drop off and that m- money is going to become an issue here by summertime? You know, that's the, that's the, that's the sixty four dollar question, isn't it? Um, it's certainly it's hard for the events like Jersey Fresh that run the elite level to figure out how to fund themselves. You know, we as riders end up paying huge entry fees basically to fund the sport ourselves. The sport in the coming years needs to move beyond that. That's not a very good funding model. Well, um, I just I just read the, the this is off the topic here a little bit. Sorry, hold your thought. But I was just reading this morning about the the FEI fees for this year. I, I mean, between all the fees, eventing has gotten very expensive. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, I think it's like I mean, if you think of those fees as taxes, I mean, we all want good schools and good roads, and none of us want to pay taxes. And, right. You know, that's the reality of it. Uh, I, the, the FEI needs to be funded too. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, it's funded on the backs of riders. Um, and I agree. Every time I turn around, I feel like I'm paying either a new or a higher FEI fee or USEF fee. Um, you know, it's a, it's a funny business because it's become more of a business, certainly in my lifetime, than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, and I mean, 20 years ago when my wife was eventing, even at the lower levels, you could go to an event for 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that I, doesn't happen anymore. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, you know, I think there's also the whole supply and demand thing. I mean, if you've got 600 entries for your event, why not raise the fees and have True. 400 entries who pay more? True. Um, so maybe maybe with the economy the way it is, it'll all wash out to a, a reasonable level at some point. I think, and I think yeah. that the whole sport is, is changing and is going to continue to change. I mean, I think there's a real demand for inexpensive, lower-level horse trials. I think there's also a demand for, you know, the big marquee uh, competitions as well. And 
the sport hasn't quite figured out how to, you know, balance that just yet. Yeah, everybody's been in sort of the same bucket. And now that there are so many everybody's, um, it sounds like they kind of need to categorize, find a, a, a suitable home for each type of participant in the sport. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, and I think you did, actually. Um, <laughs> actually, about a year ago, now we're going to get a little bit serious here. We've been goofing okay. around. We've been too, too easy on you. Um, <laughs> so about a year ago, you wrote an article that caused some controversy in the uh, forums and stuff uh, about, about eventing and the changes that should, should happen. And, uh, you know, I agreed with everything you said in it. And I think, actually, over the last year, some of those things have started to come to fruition now, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, How do, what do you feel about the direction of eventing, and where is it going the direction you think it should be going as far as the safety and all that stuff? I think the jury is still out on that. Okay. Um, I, I think a lot of the things that have happened in the last 12 months to make the sport safer were long overdue. Um, I think there are other things that need to be done to continue to make it safer. Like, to me, uh, I don't see why our cross-country jumps aren't more frangible. You know, I, I just don't see a problem with a, a log that collapses or breaks. And I think that we have to get to the place, you know, in our sport where, you know, the dangerous types of falls that we've seen in the past, just, you know, we've got to minimize that. I mean, I, I can't say that they won't ever happen, but we've got to be prepared to use modern engineering to create a cross-country jump that's safe at every level and every speed and, and, and is safe in the face of every type of mistake. Um, I don't know how quickly that can happen, but certainly, you know, Kyle Carter and Mike Winner are working really hard to get these frangible, I guess they're considered deformable logs, you know, on the market and available. Um, but the the big picture is it's still kind of murky. I mean, I don't think there's any consensus, and you know, I'm always more than happy to stick my, you know, two cents in there and stir up some controversy. <laughs> I, I I think we have to think about it. I guess that's my biggest concern is that... But that's a good point, Craig. What you did was to get, and, and, and others like you, is to get the conversations going and to get people thinking about things that they might not have otherwise thought about before. Yeah, I mean, certainly I don't have the answers, but I think we need to all reflect on our sport and, and try to come up with what the answers are. And we all have to be open to, you know, other people's ideas and answers, too. Um, I, I do think that the sport is going in sort of two different directions. I, I think that we are approaching the cusp of a professional level of the sport and an amateur level of the sport, and I think that's normal, natural, and healthy. Uh, you know, most sports have that, and it seems to me like a good thing. Uh, All right. So now, what do you? Yeah, I mean, I think so. How do you feel about express eventing? I think it should have been better thought through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we think we all agree with you there. Uh, I, I wasn't consulted on that one. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't ask you to write an article to cause all kinds of controversy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as as expressive any goes, I, I mean, my hat is off to the people who put the time and effort into trying to make it happen. And you know, anybody who's willing to think out of the box deserves, you know, uh, at least our appreciation. Uh, did it come off the way they planned? No. Uh, were some of the things that didn't work foreseeable? Probably. Um, does that mean that we stop going forward and we stop tinkering and experimenting? I hope not. I mean, we need to keep experimenting and tinkering with this stuff. You know, you know I think it's a wonderful idea. I think it is a good idea. I, I agree with what you just said there. I think also it allows <coughs> a venue for spectators that we don't necessarily have an eventing. That's exactly right. And I think ultimately, you know, when we talk about a professional level of the sport, we're talking about something that has to at the end of the day, be funded by spectator attendance. Because when you look around, spectator attendance drives sponsorship. You know, spectator attendance drives, you know, gate revenue. And we right. don't have that right now. We can't demand high, you know, 
fees from sponsors because the, their sponsorship doesn't get them very much, you know, and, and we don't really have a product that's ready for large-scale spectator attendance yet. We need to work towards that. And we need to move beyond preaching to the choir, you know. Our, our outreach, our communications needs to go beyond everybody who's already in the loop and, you know, try to create a fan base beyond the, the loop that we got now. Well, Helene and I are trying to help with that. You guys are doing a great job of that. <laughs> we're trying. Uh, we're trying to no, make. We're trying to let everybody know that not all horse people are are snooty and st- you know snobby and uh, we're we're just there are elitist reg- and that's, rich. That's and right. <laughs> there are those of us out there that you know are just having fun at this. Yeah, you know, and I think that's true even between the horse sports. You know, I mean, one of the things that makes me crazy is hearing you know somebody on the eventing side of the fence criticize somebody on the racing side of the fence, or somebody right. on the horse show side of the fence, you know, being critical of you know, the dressage side of things and. To me, it's all horse sports. I mean, horses are just fascinating and amazing, and we're so lucky to get to spend our time with them. We need to be careful that we don't tear each other down, but that we do what we can to build each other up. I mean, horse sports, is they're all connected, you know, and it's, they're all cool. Speaking of the, the different horse sports, um, do you find that there's a pretty good balance of different disciplines in the Aiken area? Aiken is amazing that way. Uh, you know, I mean, right here in the center of town, I mean, there's a thoroughbred training facility. You know, the PSJ horse shows are really nice quality horse shows, as is the Aiken Spring Classic. Uh, you know, the, the quality of dressage shows and trainers here is really, you know, on par with anything you'd find anywhere in the country. The fox hunting is obviously huge. Oh, geez, don't mention that to Helena. She are, she's already... Uh... <laughs> I know. Get down here and, and, and do a little bit of it. <laughs> if I can ever get out of Boston, Craig, the first place I'm going is Aiken. <laughs> just need to get out of this darn town. No, I mean, I really think that it's an incredible mix that way, even more so than, than Middleburg or Southern Pines or Ocala, which are the other sort of, you know, horsey areas that get mentioned. Um, you know, it's certainly more going on places that I've been to. And I also think that there's something about Aiken that is more accessible than a lot of places. You know, so many of my customers are here with their fox hunters that they keep at home on 10 acres here in Aiken, and they come over here for an eventing lesson, and they go to two horse trials while they're here, and then they go back to hunting. And I think there's a real degree of accessibility here that isn't necessarily available everywhere you go. Um, that sounds pretty nice. Anyway, you know. Well, believe it or not, we have we have run out of time, which I'm, I I can't believe that we've uh, sp- sp- we've talked for a half an hour here already. Uh, but well, I, I, we, I hope I held up my end of things. You did great. Uh, hang on, uh, after we're done with the recording here, we want to just chat with you for a second. Sure. But we appreciate you being on. Will you come back again sometime? Anytime. Happy to do it. All right, great, and we'll look forward to seeing you up here. I'm thinking positive for you. We're going to look forward to seeing you up here in Orion at Rolex, and uh, I'll be doing an interview with you there. Sounds good. And don't forget to, to check out uh, Craig's website and his yep. blog. You can go to craigthompsoneventing.com, and we will put links to that website in our and, show notes. And what's the Aiken Event Horse Sales uh, website? Uh, AikenEventHorseSale.com as well, yeah. Okay, com, And that's coming up on March 2nd and 3rd, 2009. Last year you had to register in advance. This year you don't have to, right? Exactly. You yep. can just show up. As a buyer. Yes. Right, right. sorry, yeah. okay. Or a spectator. Or spectator. And I know Helena's itching to get down there for the sale, so. I'm not going to say that I'm coming because if I say that, then, then like, we'll have an earthquake or something, so. And she has one of those $150,000 thoroughbreds in mind. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> happy to over there. All right, Craig, hold on here. 
Well, that was great to have Craig on. Do you know that my wife, Jennifer, actually was in Pony Club with him at the same time he was in Pony Club? What? See? Small world. Uh, I know. Tiny, I know. tiny, tiny. Craig actually went a little higher in the riding end of things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's good to have him on. And I, I know we have to continue on here because we're, 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 these interviews are, are interesting, and they're, but they're, we're going to run out of time. So let's get Deidre on here, who is the realtor that, who we want to talk to in Aiken. She is from Maybaum Realty, and that's M-E-Y-B-O-H-M, not at all like you would spell it. So she's from Maybaum Realty, and she can talk us a little bit about what the realty market's like in Aiken at this time and if it's a little different than the rest of the country. Hi, Deidre. We appreciate you being on the Stable Scoop show with us this week. Thank you. This is a great opportunity for me to get to know how radio and talking about Aiken goes. Well, <laughs> well, we, we hope it, it's been going pretty well so far in the show. We've had a couple neat people from Aiken. It sounds like a fun place. How long have you been there? I have been living here year-round since 1992, but my father first came here in the 30s because of the horse business. He he enjoyed racehorses and had family members here who had racehorses and decided that one day when he was grown up, he would like to own a farm here too, and which he was able to do in the late 70s. Well, that's been the interesting part about today. I didn't realize that Aiken had been horse-related you know, since, the, since the turn of the last century. Uh, it really took off because of a particular lady, Mrs. Thomas Hitchcock, who had family connections here, married a gentleman from Long Island, and convinced him to bring her back down to her home in Aiken, and they started the Winter Colony, which was, we were known as the sporting capital of the South, and it was in the early, um, oh, 1914, 1915, that she started what is now referred to as the Winter Colony, and brought down friends from not just Long Island, but um, a lot of the Northeast and people as far as the Midwest from Chicago. So she really was responsible for what we have today. It was the heritage of horses that um, Mrs. Thomas Hitchcock began. Well, now I and know that's, that's the, the uh, Mrs. Hitchcock of uh, Hitchcock Woods, yes? It, it, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, one of the things that the family did when the Hitchcocks arrived was that they bought up large tracts of land, as so many horsemen are. They're great stewards of open spaces. And she built her own steeplechase courses throughout the woods. She actually had mule drivers going through and opening up these large um, drag lines. She had her own drag hunt, fox hunt, in the woods. She also trained steeplechase horses, and they had race horses. They owned, their stable was on the edge of the Hitchcock Woods, which is now the Charles Bostwick property. And she invited her friends down, was responsible for starting so much of the infrastructure that we now know today is what people think of when they think about Aiken, the horse show in the woods, which is a wonderful old-fashioned horse show on a grass field with tailgaters that come. And that happens at the beginning of April every year. And really it was the you know, sort of sense of great spaces in Aiken that allowed the horsemen, and of course the ground. One of the things that to this day draws horsemen from all over the the United States and Canada is because we have such sandy soil. And it's that sandy soil that allows us to train our horses in all the different disciplines that are represented today. Cool. So now tell us a little bit about the the real estate end of things. Is the real estate market down there still as hot as it was, or is it cooled off like everywhere else? Or, Glenn, it's certainly cooled off, but um, for those of us that are still, still selling real estate, 
um, we would all say that the market is still continuing. I think what happened um, leading up to 2005, 2006, is that Aiken was discovered first by the polo players who were relocating here from Florida, and then as the polo world took um, a, a glance at Aiken and started buying these large tracts, the eventing group, which had been coming here sporadically, realized that for the same reasons, it was it, Aiken was much more attractive to them, both as a training place and a quality of life place. Many of them left Florida again. And the hunter-jumper people that had always had a toehold here in Aiken from other parts of the world decided that same reasons. It was relatively inexpensive to buy property here, and the quality of life that we could have, that we offered our residents here in Aiken was so far superior to other horse towns. Because we have the university and we have a very vital downtown life, people that um, wanted that kind of experience came to Aiken and realized that buying property here, even if they were only going to be using it three, four, five months a year, made a lot of sense in the big picture of what they were doing. So we had a very strong 2004, 5, and 6. The market started to cool at the end of 07. I think the numbers say we're down about 25 to 30% overall this year. Um, is that property value? You mean property value or number of sales or what? Sales overall. Okay. Um, but the market has continued to tick along. And for those of us that work hard and have very good reputations, um, you know, we've been rewarded and people are continuing to buy. So are there still large farms available, or, or is it Indeed mostly? there are, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and what has happened is the prices ran up, ahead, got ahead of themselves, and a lot of like, property Like owners, everywhere else. Yeah. Like everywhere yeah. else. And a lot of property Helena owners. can tell you about that. She lives above Boston. Uh, well, and yeah. that's exactly what's happened. And it's happened to a, to a lesser degree here, but nonetheless, our sellers now are beginning to realize that it is not realistic to expect to, you know, buy a property and flip it in 12 to 24 months and double your money. Right. right. It's not going to happen again probably in my lifetime. Right. Those days are over. But there's still tremendous opportunities as sale sellers realize that, you know, if they want to truly sell their properties, they will make their prices competitive. People can, uh, can come to Aiken again and say, you know what, it's still far less expensive than the West Coast, people that are coming here from California and, of course, the Northeast. So there's still tremendous opportunities to be had here, and we're beginning to see people become a little bit more confident with the economy and simply say, I've done my homework. I'm ready to make a decision to write an offer on a piece of property that I would like to own. Yeah. What would you say is, um, let's say, for maybe uh, a 10-acre farm, a small farm, um, by Southern standards, what, what would be the rough ballpark figure for something like that with a single-family home on it? Well, you know, you know a little bit, I'm sure, about real estate and its location, location, location. I have one that's a $200,000 farm. I can offer you one on 10 acres with a little barn that's $300,000. We can find one at any price range. It really depends on what somebody's looking for. So the positive thing is to answer that. There are farms in that Two hundred to three hundred thousand dollar range, which would allow you to live in a probably two to three bedroom house, um, probably have a small barn, maybe only two to three stalls on ten acres. Sometimes they're fully fenced. Sometimes they're totally new that have been built by somebody with the expectation of selling them. Sometimes people are moving on. They're either 
building larger farms or they're needing to downscale because their children have stopped riding. There's really still lots of range available, but I think it would be fair to say somewhere in the three to four hundred thousand dollar range, you could do really well having a totally what we call turnkey horse farm. Mm. That's cool. Now you hear and the press makes it sound like nobody's getting a loan for anything ever now. Period. It, obviously, that's not true. Tell us a little bit about the the credit market and and what you're seeing down there. Well, you, you're right, Glenn. That is not true. We have some very strong community banks who have managed their assets far better than some of our you know larger national companies, and they are still regularly um, accepting new clients and doing ongoing financing. I have not had any of my clients been turned down. Um, granted, I probably deal with a type of client who is not somebody that's leveraged to the hill. I was going to say, and you screen them a little hill. bit. <laughs> um, so I would say that the lenders that I would recommend to my clients coming into Aiken, and usually we give them two or three lenders to go and talk to, are all very aggressively seeking new business. Granted, they are not going to go out on a limb, and nobody is um, financing for 100% any longer, which right. is what was happening right. up to about 18 months ago. So you need your 20% down. You certainly need your 20% down, and you probably need to have a pretty clean credit history. Um, but I would say that anybody that's interested in buying land in Aiken or farms in Aiken need to come and give it a shot. My, I would be very surprised if anybody was turned down. I have a, a sort of a development question for you. Um, one of the things I think we found up here in the Northeast is that open space can go very quickly, and we've suffered so much from development that what we're left with now is a group of people who are conservation-minded, and we have to work very hard to keep whatever open space is still available. How do um, how does the community down in Aiken deal with um, development and putting those restrictions in place before it becomes a problem, before there's no land left? Or is, is that long-term view in the minds of the people who are living there now? It is indeed. Um, my brother, Dacre Stoker, is head of the Aiken County Land. Um, it was called Acolt, Aiken County. Ooh, I'm having a memory lapse here, but Open Land um, Trust. And they are working very hard to make more and more people aware of the advantages of putting conservation easements on properties. And they have a very good team who go around and talk publicly about what kinds of opportunities exist. But I would say, in general, most of the people that are coming to Aiken are leaving other areas that the suburbs have encroached on their open spaces. So they're very willing to listen. And in many cases, we see more and more people are actually putting these conservation easements on. So it would be fair to say, I think, that because so many of our new residents that are coming and buying real estate in Aiken are coming from areas where they see their lifestyle, you know, being encroached upon, they're the leaders in putting conservation easements out. Well, That's you know, good. That's really good to know because I often want to go down there myself, but I, my biggest worry is, well, if I buy a small farm, what's to stop my neighbor from um, putting up, you know, some condos or a strip mall next to me? I would um, say that we're, it's, a, it's a long learning curve, and a lot has happened in Aiken County in the last three to four years, and I would say that the city of Aiken has done a marvelous job at being the leader in having um, zoning requirements and working very closely with people that are building within the city limits. 
the couch being a much larger, a little bit more cumbersome um, machine is also really coming around to doing their best to kind of grapple with how do you really focus on the zoning issues because we are a large county and there's certainly a lot of variety in the quality of property that you see as you drive around South Carolina. But because there's this ongoing interest, I would say they're being very respe receptive to um, trying to come up with a template or a footprint that works for all to keep our spaces green and, and open. Well, that's great. I'll tell you what. Why don't you tell us, uh, tell the listeners also where they can find you and uh, if they wanted to check out some properties in Aiken? Thank you. Um, I am very proud to be a member of Maybaum Realtors. Maybaum is owned by Mr. E.G. Maybaum from Augusta, and he um, opened up two offices in Aiken after having purchased a local shop five or six years ago. And I've been with Maybaum over a year. Um, we're a wonderful assortment of very professional realtors. My website is Deirdre at Aiken SC Properties. And I do an awful lot of old historic as well as equestrian farms, small homes, many downtown cottages. Many of my clients like um, have a downtown cottage as well as have a big tract of land where they build their dream farm. And the Maybaum website is maybaum.com, and um, it's a very easy way to access us. So I hope. And we'll put I links to this. Everybody. We'll put links to uh, to Deidre's website uh, on the show notes for this week's episode. Thank you. So what's the? Uh, I'll, I'll end with this. What is the the ultimate property you have right now? What's the ten million dollar one? <laughs> I have a wonderful piece of property on the south side, the three hundred two side of Aiken, that is anybody's dream farm if you're a hunter jumper person if you're a polo person it's over 90 acres and it has the most beautiful barn and a lovely owner's apartment where you can sit and gaze across at your own polo field or your own grand prix jumping field and it's in um one of the most delightful areas of aiken um you'll have to call me to to get the scoop on it further than that though. okay all right <laughs> just make sure you have your 20 percent Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Deidre, we appreciate you being on with us today, and uh, we'll talk again. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, I think I might be looking for real estate in Aiken. <laughs> when are you moving? I don't know. <laughs> we want to come visit. <laughs> I'm so afraid to leave the Northeast. Why? But, boy, I'll tell you, you know, she does paint a pretty good picture. Uh, and you have like no Southern accent at all. You'd have to learn some of that. That's okay. I, you know, that's what I wonder. Would, we could probably have talked about Aiken for hours and hours and hours because, you know, the debate, so many horse people who live in cold climates every winter, they say the same thing. That's it. No more winters of, of frozen buckets. No more trudging through the snow or uh, winter pads and boreums on my horse's feet. And and it's just the debate is where do I go? And what's the difference, you know? what what's What's it like down south versus up here in the north? Well, we could come uh, visit you. I think it's only six or seven hours from where we live, so that'd be really? good. Yeah, it's not very far, actually. Oh. Yeah, you just cut across and down, and you're there. Well, then how come you're in an ice storm? Uh, well, that's true. Yeah, we are in the middle of an ice storm. <clears throat> Maybe I'll just stay here in Boston Well, see, we all. didn't go far enough south. See, that's the problem. 
Uh, I'll tell you what. The minute you guys pick up and move to Aiken, I will be right there behind you. Ah, uh, we've heard that before. No, no, no. Kentucky's <laughs> a little too far inland for me. I still need to have access to the ocean. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't know if it was Deidre or Pam said that they're only two and a half hours from the water. So I, I might be able to deal with that. Yeah, and they have some nice beaches down there, too. And the water's a lot warmer than it is in Massachusetts. Yeah, you're not kidding. You're not <laughs> All kidding. All right. Well, uh, take a listen, everybody, to our other shows on Eventing Radio this week, the Eventing Radio show at eventingradio.com. We had an interview with eventer Boyd Martin, who's looking forward to Rolex. We are continuing our Rolex coverage right up until the event. And he tells us about what horses he has right now and, and what he's looking forward to for Rolex and the 2010 games. And then we talked to the voice of Rolex for over 30 years, Nigel Casserly. Now, if you've been to Rolex, you've heard Nigel because he is the announcer that has been there for 30 years, since 77. So he was he's a fascinating guy. He tells us a couple of the funny stories that he ran into over his <laughs> years. And he's a, he's an a, English guy and he's just very nice, very pleasant, fun guy. So Well, he must love his job for yeah. to be someplace for that long. You really got to enjoy what you're doing. Well, and he also does the sound system there. So he has to run. He said he runs 2 miles of cable at the park every year. Oh my gosh. He up, must be a geek too. Yeah, he has five people it takes him 2 weeks to run all the cable for the sound system. Holy cow. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, so, it is our only four star. So check that out. And also, to, uh, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Also, this week on the 2010 radio show, all about the World Equestrian Games, I had two very fascinating people talking about vaulting. So we went into the, the uh, sport of vaulting, it's one of the disciplines at the games. And I'll tell you what, the vaulters are so into their sport. They're very excited, They're, and it just was a fun interview. We actually had the girl who was the 2006 gold medalist at the World Equestrian Games in 2006. And then her mother actually is involved with the American Vaulting Association. So we had them both on at the same time. Wow. That's pretty Good stuff. I'm yeah, impressed. so that was a lot of fun. It was a very fun interview. And, of course, they're very into it, and the vaulters really want people to like their sport, you know? They want people to come watch and see it. So I'm hoping that the World Equestrian Games will give an opportunity for the vaulters to get out there. And, actually, the vaulter, the vaulting is going to be done in the new indoor arena. So they sure have a nice venue to do yeah, it at yeah, the park. Yep. So check that out at 2010radioshow.com. And be sure to listen to our show next week. Helena, I am so excited. You haven't seen this yet, but we have the barn manager for Arabian Nights. That's the dinner theater show in Orlando, uh, right there in Kissimmee. So I am so excited. My wife and I have seen this show six times. It is one of the best horse entertainment shows that exist they are rub it in rub uh, it in how many times six times six times they are so they're just very good horsemen and they have some of the most wonderful horses not all arabians they have all different disciplines and they all do all different kinds of stuff during the show it's a dinner show in this big stadium it's this huge stadium and it's just so cool, and I'm looking forward to talking to her about, you know, what, 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 what they do every day and, you know, just the everyday operations of a, of a really big operation like that. So that should be a lot of fun. And next week's show, you can visit our show notes and see all the links that we talked about today at StableScoop.com. Uh, you can also send us feedback by sending us an email at G-E-E-K-S at HorseRadioNetwork.com or a voicemail at 270-803-0025. And thanks to the Barnworks for sponsoring today's episode. And Helena, we'll see you again next week. We'll be back with The Scoop. <laughs>